0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at bite.com That's B-Y-T-E.com. Start your confidence journey today
1: with Byte. This episode of the Bear Stock Underground is brought to you by Athletic Greens. Tons of people take a multivitamin, and it's important to choose one that is top quality. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, Whole food sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adoptogens to help start your day right. This special blend of ingredients helps to support gut health, the nervous system, immune system, energy recovery, focus, and aging. It's lifestyle friendly, adapting to a wide range of diets, and it contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no chemicals, or artificial anything. Plus, it costs less than $3 a day. It's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially during cold and flu season. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash sportsdrink. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash sportsdrink to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. (coughs) This episode of the Bear Underground is also brought to you by ColorCast. Guys, ColorCast is a live audio-only sports talk platform, free to download and to use. Talk to me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time, and it's perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. All you need to do is download the ColorCast app free in the iOS app store, create a profile, and link your Twitter and join a group. Follow me at BTU Larry to be I, to be notified when my room goes live. And we'll be going live on Colorcast every Friday night, seven PM Central, eight o'clock Eastern. Come and join the spiciest takes. Come find the new home for Club 347. <laughs> What's up, guys? We are back once again, a fourth retro rewind episode. Uh, this one coming out, uh, Happy draft day, everybody. I mean, I know it's not much for us as uh, Bear fans. We don't have a first-round pick, thanks to the Justin Fields trade with the Giants a year ago. But, um, you know, it's still NFL draft. As a football fan, I love this day. Um, Like I said, I don't really do the homework uh, to to know who the 250-something players that are going to get drafted uh, are and uh, and everything like that. But um, uh, I love watching this and, you know, watching these guys' dreams come true and, uh, and all that kind of stuff. Looking forward to watching the draft uh, today, but this is the episode right now that actually kind of gave birth to this series. Uh, myself and Chris Gates, our good friend from the daily Norseman um, talked about, you know, how many times, how many times have we talked about over the years, how weird the series between the bears and the Vikings is, especially when these two teams get together in soldier field, you know, you have the Devin Aroma should do game and, and, and many, many other uh, examples uh, over the years of just wild, you know, finishes, just crazy games, stuff that kind of defies logic and reason when it comes to the NFL. And this game here is prime example. The quarterback matchup of Kyle Orton and Gus Farrat resulting in an 89 point shootout between these two teams uh, who are both 300 or excuse me, 500 teams at three and three going into week seven of the 2008 season. It was a crazy game. It was a fun conversation to have with Chris. Uh, This is the one, like I said, that gave birth to the idea of doing this Retro Rewind series. But because of our schedules, he's the fourth show that I do instead of the first one. So uh, sit back, uh, dig in. Just a little fun to listen to uh, before we all get buried into the draft for the next few days. Uh, It's myself and Chris Gates from the Daily Norseman talking Bears-Vikings Week 7 2008. So let's get to it. So here we are once again, another episode of the Retro Rewind. And uh, it's about time, actually, that uh, we're finally doing an episode with the guy that helped me give birth to the idea of going back and looking at some of these old games. Um, you know, all the times that I've had uh, Chris Gates from the Daily Norseman on the show we spend half the time previewing Bears Vikings games by talking about just how wacky the Bears Vikings series can be. Sometimes, Chris, welcome back, man.
2: Happy to be here, Larry. And yeah, this is a uh, this is going to be an adventure. This is I know we brought this game up more than once uh, yeah. over the number of times that I've I've been on the show here before. And yeah, this this really was one of the uh, crazier games in the rivalry, at least over the uh, the nearly thirty years that I've been watching football. It's uh, well. <laughs> Now, my math is bad. Nearly 40 years. There back. you go. Jesus. Yeah. Jesus, I'm old. But <laughs> all this time I've been watching football and watching Bears-Vikings, obviously. And, yeah, this game was just about as crazy as it got be between these uh, these two teams because, you know, as we say, weird things always happen at Soldier Field, and this is uh, this was no exception. No exception whatsoever. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah, it was uh, definitely and, – and, and the thing was, the game that we got is not the one that you would have anticipated – Going into it, and I think that's why this one sticks out so much because there are plenty of games that you and I could have done. We could have done the wild card game from '94, we could have done like earlier in the '94 season that Thursday night game where the Bears and the Vikings went to overtime and Moon hits Carter for the winning touchdown pass there uh, mm-hmm. at the end. We could have done, obviously, the 2009 Devin Aroma Shadu game. We've mentioned that one at nauseum back yeah. and forth talking <laughs> about the rivalry. I mean, and there are just countless others. You know, the, the game in 06 where, uh, you know, Rasheed Davis catches the touchdown pass there at the end where it looks like the Vikings got this thing won and, and you know, the Bears kind of pull it out there uh, at the end. You know, and plenty of other times where the Vikings actually won the game. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, it's just been such a crazy rivalry between these uh between these two teams but let's set the stage here so we're going back it's week number seven in the 2008 season Sunday Sunday October 19th both of our teams are three and three and in a current three-way tie with Green Bay with Green Bay for first place in the NFC North so, yes. this will be a nice change of pace for my listeners because every game that I've done so far has been from the 1980s. Now we jump into modern times because I've spent three episodes talking about how different the broadcasts were back then. there was no you know uh, score pill or the you know the bar across the top where you always know what time how much time is left, what the score is down in distance, and hell you' even got a ticker at the bottom telling you about the score of the other games going on uh yep. in the league, you know. Uh, if you weren't paying attention for the few seconds between the break of the huddle and the snap of the football, you have no idea what down and distance is. You relied a lot more on the announcers back then. Here we are in 2008. Sam Rosen and Tim Green's job is much easier because all the information they could be sharing with us is up on the screen at all times. So uh, much different uh, this
2: time. The Bears, yeah, to, uh, go ahead. And to, uh, yeah, to set the stage for this one a little bit more, just looking at the uh the box score over a Pro Football Reference. They kind kind of give some of the game info, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, keep in mind, the over under for this game was thirty eight points, and <laughs> the uh, and the and the Bears were favored by three, which is the standard uh, standard home field advantage spread for a uh, for a for an NFL game. But yeah, the over under for this one was uh, thirty eight points. I think they obliterated that about uh, midway through the second quarter. Yeah.
0: the spirit of performance is what defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard to snag tables. Ooh, yum! And how you get the most out of select can't miss events with access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events. You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com/slash-with-amex. So
2: yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll, we'll get to that. Yeah,
1: um, both teams. Like I said, three, uh, three and three coming into it. The Bears had made a habit in those first six weeks of blowing fourth-quarter leads, which will come into play later on in this game. Um, They had lost week two. Uh, They had the lead over Carolina, gave up a late touchdown to lose 2017 in that one. Uh, A week later, uh, the Bears had the Buccaneers dead to rights in the fourth quarter, gave up the tying field goal, lost it in overtime. And then just the week before this one, the Bears – God, this one still hurts to talk about. Actually, I would love to get a Falcons guy on here to talk about this game. But um, Kyle Orton hits Rasheed Davis in the corner of the end zone for the go-ahead touchdown with about twelve seconds to go in the game. Uh, they, I think they, they pooch kick it or something to the Falcons because <laughs> they have the ball at like midfield. They complete one pass that gets them in field goal range, and they kick the field goal to win the game, twenty-two to twenty or something like that. I think was. The final score. I mean, the, the Bears had this game by the balls, and they somehow managed to give it away, and that's why they're three and zero and not like or three and three and not six and zero, five and one, four and they didn't pull out any of those uh, victories. Ironically, against all NFC South teams, which was weird when I noticed that. But uh, mm-hmm. there you have it. So the Bears um, are wearing the orange jerseys, which so I'm already annoyed with this game because I <laughs> absolutely hate the orange jersey, so it's the, the Chicago Pumpkins against the Minnesota Vikings uh, for this one. Uh, the Bears are working on rebounding from the Super Bowl loser curse season in 07, where they finished 7-9 and nine and missed the playoffs after going to the Super Bowl the year before in 06. Um, and then, just for a little fun off-season drama, after keeping Cedric Benson over Thomas Jones going into the 2007 season, the Bears cut Benson over the off-season when he decided to have a boat accident and get drunk and do weird <laughs> obnoxious things. Thankfully though, we drafted Matt Forte in the second round and six weeks in he is Cedric Benson, who you know, playing for the Bears uh, at the moment. So um, and also I found it ironic in 2008, uh, we also used the hive draft pick on an offensive tackle who had back issues and missed most of the season after having surgery. So it was <laughs> weird that the timing of us doing this game after just coming off the heels, of uh, being super excited about drafting Tevin Jenkins and then have him miss the first 12 games of the season. And (laughs) just to talk about this game in particular, uh, the Bears are coming in shorthanded in secondary. No Nate Vasher, no Charles Tillman, no Daniel Manning. So three out of our four starting defensive backs are not playing in this game. They're being replaced by Tremaine McBride, Corey Graham, and Marcus Hamilton. Chris, I have no idea who that is. I have no idea who Marcus Hamilton is. That is the first time i've probably heard his name since 2008 so
2: that, that that's a guy when you get into like your 12th season of your madden franchise right he's a, he's a guy that you wind up taking to fill fill out the bottom of the <laughs> roster i have no idea who the hell that guy yeah. is either if you uh, say he played for the bears you're the authority here so yeah, yeah he, he well must i play
1: i was certainly wasn't an authority on marcus hamilton until uh the I watched the video last night to uh study <laughs> up for this one i was like marcus hamilton who the hell is that It's like, I know who Tremaine McBride is. I know who Corey Graham is. Marcus Hamilton? No idea. Not a clue. So, and here's the part where we, uh, this is what you and I kind of focused on when we were talking about this game and what a wild game it was, is because the quarterback matchup for this football (laughs) game. Spoiler alert, kids. The final score of this football game was 48 to 41, and our starting quarterbacks for this game. Kyle Orton on the Bears' side, who uh, won the job in a uh, you know preseason competition with Rex Grossman. And Gus Farad on the Minnesota side, who actually signed with Minnesota as a backup to Tafaris Jackson, who led the Vikings to an 0-2 start. He gets benched. Gus Farrat is 3-1 coming into this game. And there we have it. We're all set up and uh, ready to go uh, for this ballgame. Last thing that I want to mention uh, one thing I did notice was the um, the GU patches on the helmets for the players, um, all in tribute to uh, Gene Upshaw, the president of the Players Association and Hall of Fame offensive lineman who uh, passed away, uh, l- literally like right before the season. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering, I, I kept, couldn't remember. I had to go back and look at it. it was like, what was it that I found so tragic about Gene Upshaw passing away? And it was that he found out he had cancer on August the 17th, and he died on August 20th. I mean. Damn. Yeah. That's, I'd forgotten all about that. I'd re- that's, like, that's like, oh, my God, that's right. Like, they announced <laughs> he had cancer, and then, like, over the weekend, he passed away. You know, it's like, you, I mean, you, like, you have no time to get your affairs in order. You're just gone. You know? It's yeah. like, man, I remember that now. Like, he passed <laughs> away. And then when I was looking at his Wikipedia, his birthday is August 15th. So, Jeez. yeah, celebrates his birthday, <laughs> not feeling well a couple of days later, go to the doctor, oh, you got pan- pancreatic cancer, uh, and then, you know, just gone after that. It's like, wow, that's, that's why that stuck out in my head, like, when I saw, oh, yeah, Gene Upshaw, that's what those patches were for, and I was like, what was it? Because for whatever reason, I kept thinking, like, he, he passed away getting inducted, after, right after being inducted into the Hall of Fame or something, but he was a Hall of Famer long before that. I was like, no, that can't be it. And then when I finally looked it up, yeah, diagnosed on the 17th, laid to rest, you know, passed away on the 20th. It's like, damn, oh, that's what it was. Like, he found out he had cancer, and then a few days later he was gone. It was like literally a few days later. It's quite a tragic uh, story. So, mm-hmm. all right, so now that we're all fully depressed, let's get on with this football <laughs> game. Okay, Chris, let's uh, let's get to it. We have lots to cover because, like you said, these two football teams obliterate the over-under before halftime, and I mean by a lot. So um, oh, yeah. let's go ahead and, and and dive in. The Bears decide to go ahead and, and defer to the second half, so they're kicking off to Minnesota, and seemingly Adrian Peterson picks up right where he left off on his first trip to uh, Chicago back in 07, where he rattled off like 230 and three touchdowns uh, on the Bears. First carry mm-hmm. of the game, he goes 16 yards, and that propels uh, Minnesota and. You know, bing, bang, boom. Uh, you know, they're at the one-yard line. Before you know it, uh, Bears force uh, a fourth and goal, and Adrian Peterson scores a touchdown. And just like that, the Vikings are up seven nothing, and we are off to the races with this one.
2: Yeah, and uh, yeah, there's a there's some former Bears getting involved. I mean, we have a we have a Bernard Barry completion. We have a Bobby Wade completion right. in there. Yeah, other now is pretty much the Adrian Peterson show, except for. Uh, one catch by Chester Taylor, right? And uh, yeah, after that we get to uh, what is the theme for the Vikings uh, in this one, and that is uh, terrible special teams oh, play because just, uh, yeah, because the on the ensuing kickoff because you know you don't want to kick the ball to Devin Hester because he just destroys the Minnesota Vikings every time he touches the football. Uh, we decide to pooch kick it, and uh, Jason McKee uh, fields the uh, the short kick and. Uh, as a result, the Bears start out uh, at their own forty-six yard line, which is not a recipe for success. Yeah. So, I mean, and this yeah. is
1: the theme that would want, run all the way through. The Vikings didn't learn their lesson the first time uh, around with the squib kick. They do it at least three or four times uh, in mm-hmm. the ball game. But you know, we'll we'll uh, we'll carry on uh, with that as we go here. But you you mentioned Bobby Wade. You mentioned Bernard Berrien. You know, we, we kind of harped on the quarterback matchup before, but it's like, go back and look at the wide receivers that we had in this game, and you're even more shocked we got to 89 points uh, with this <laughs> one. We got Barryon and Bobby Wade, two former Bears on the Minnesota side. Your starting wide receivers for the Bears. Devin Hester and Rasheed Davis with good old Marty Booker coming off the bench. I mean, it's not exactly, you know, like, oh, man, look at all this explosive offensive talent we have on both sides of the ball. They're going to break the scoreboard today. That's the last thing you were thinking going into this. You were like, okay, we got two great defenses in the Bears and the Vikings. Both teams like to run the ball. It's going to be who can run the ball better between Matt Forte and, uh, you know, uh, Adrian Peterson that's how this game's going to turn out and it could not have been more opposite than that when it was all said and done
2: no and, and Marty Booker is one of those guys that always killed the Vikings too for whatever reason he had he only had three catches in this game but he had 79 yards and a touchdown yeah and so yeah he you there there's just been guys over the years that have given the Vikings issues and Marty Booker was one of those guys for Whatever reason. We'll, we'll we'll get to Marty Booker, because he factors in heavily
1: <laughs> into this uh, into this game. Not just with the one touchdown, but the other ones that uh, he should have had. We'll talk about that, too. But, um, you know, as you mentioned, the Bears start at their own 46. And one play, they're in Vikings territory. And then three plays later, uh, Kyle Orton threads the needle, like literally, to Greg Olson for an 18-yard touchdown pass. And bang, bang, just like that. I mean, we're... We got, you know, six minutes to go in the third, in the fourth, in the first quarter. Excuse me. It's 7-7. Both offenses have had the football. Both offenses have scored uh, touchdowns. And then it really gets interesting, Chris, because (laughs) on the ensuing drive, the Vikings managed to go three and out. And Chris Cooley, who, correct me if I'm wrong, was a very good punter for you guys for several years, right?
2: He was. He he definitely had his moments as a punter, but then... uh... You know, particularly in this season, he had some uh, some not so great moments, not oh, just right? the one that I think we're getting ready to touch on yeah. here, but uh, a couple weeks before this, the Vikings had a game against New Orleans on Monday night, the Superdome, mm. and uh, yeah, Reggie Bush returned two punts for touchdowns. Oh wow! And would have had and would have had a third if he hadn't literally tripped over his own feet at about the thirty yard line <laughs> on his way to the end zone. I mean, the 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 story was that. Uh, Brad Childress was telling Cluey to kick the ball out of bounds, and he wasn't getting the ball out of bounds. And okay. so Reggie Bush was just destroying the Vikings. The Vikings wound up winning that game, but not. Uh, it was kind of despite themselves as, as opposed to anything positive they actually did. All right. Well, on the heels of that performance, Chris <laughs>
1: Cluey, who was standing deep in his own territory, first he fumbles the snap. He goes into full-blown panic mode. Uh, picks up the ball, even though he's got five bears in his face. Tries to kick it; it is blocked by Craig Steltz, or you know, as blocked as that kind of attempt can be. And then, just for fun, he decides to kick the ball again when it's on the <laughs> when it's on the ground. Okay, and here's what made me laugh about it: Garrett Wolf, uh, the Bears, who was a second-year running back, uh, special teamer mostly, obviously, uh, for the Bears, scoops it up runs it in untouched for a touchdown and basically the Bears scored two touchdowns in less than a minute and went from down 7 to up 14 to 7. Chris Cluey was penalized for an illegal kick and ironically it was that illegal kick that made it easier for Garrett Wolf to scoop the ball up and score because when he when he kicked it it bounced up into Garrett Wolf's hands as opposed to him probably diving on the ground just to gain possession of the football. Instead he practically like with the way he kicked it and the way it bounced into uh Garrett Wolf's breadbasket, it was like he basically handed him the football and Garrett Wolf runs it in probably for the easiest touchdown he's ever scored in his life.
2: Yeah, I mean if if Cluey doesn't try to kick the ball again, I don't know if the Bears, you know, they obviously don't walk it in for a score on that one. I'm not saying they don't eventually get a touchdown on the ensuing possession or anything, but yeah, you're right, Cloey kinda Soccer kicked that one, and it took a bounce and went right to uh, Garrett Wolf. And yeah, there were like you said, when Cluey tried to kick the ball the first time, there were like four or five Bears there. You know, they weren't going to stop the the Bears from scoring after that. And <laughs> yeah, that that was that was just kind of the start of the ugliness on the uh, the special teams in this game for uh, Minnesota.
1: Yeah, so you know, like I said, just like that, we're up fourteen to to seven. Um, Sam Rosen noted that it was the second block punt for a touchdown the Bears had had in 2008. and um, Yeah, so we give the ball back to uh, the Vikings uh, this time. And uh, I thought it was funny that Bernard Berrien caught a pass for first down and he got booed uh, <laughs> when they mentioned his name. They booed him because he left us. to, to, not, only to he, not only did he leave us, he went in division uh, with, a, with a rival. And, um, but, uh, that was just a precursor to, uh, I mean, you thought Orton threw a rope to, uh, Olson Gus for uh, you know, answers with his own rope to Vasante Shanko. I mean, there's a name I haven't heard, uh, in a while. And how could I forget a name like that? Vasante Shenko, yeah. uh, 24 yard <laughs> touchdown, even up the score. It's 14, 14. We still got two minutes to go in this
2: quarter, Chris. Oh yeah. I mean, the, the, the defenses were taking the day off and yeah, Shanko, he didn't really have his big breakout until the next year 2009 when i think he caught 11 or 12 touchdown passes in that uh that 2009 season but he was kind of an under the radar signing for the vikings at that time but he wound up being a really a really solid tight end for us but yeah th- that was a heck of a throw by ferrat to uh to get the ball into the end zone for uh, shanko and yeah like you said we're tied uh the over under was uh Thirty-eight. Uh, we're already at twenty-eight, and we've got uh, two minutes left in the first quarter. Yeah, we
1: and we still got all three quarters after you know to go after that uh, as well. I mean, and you're right. I mean, it's for these two teams. Their reputation was running the football and playing defense. Now the Vikings are having much more success running the ball than the Bears are, at least in the first half. Uh, mm-hmm. Anyway, um, you know, as I'm looking here, the the Bears because um, that's basically the end of the first quarter. Uh, the Vikings. Did another squib kick after their touchdown. Jason McKee took it up to the forty-eight yard line uh, this time, and um, uh, Jared Allen given a little help for some reason, trying to be Superman and jiving on top of the uh, uh, a pile. Which uh, that fifteen-yard unnecessary roughness penalty gave the Bears the ball at the twenty-one for Minnesota, and that's how the first quarter ends. But the Bears only ran ten offensive plays, eight passes, two runs and they're winning, you know, it's 14-14. Somehow they've managed to tie Minnesota, having only run the ball, you know, only 10 plays and only had the ball for maybe four and a half minutes to nearly like 11 minutes for the uh, for the Vikings. It's like looking at the stats on the board, it's very one-sided, but the score's tied.
2: Yeah, and uh, that, you know, when, when you make dumb plays on special teams, those are the kinds of things that happen, I mean, you know, when you when you start out practically in Minnesota territory, you don't have to run very many plays to get in the end zone. No. So uh, yeah, that first that first scoring drive for the Bears. Uh, let me take a look. I see uh, one, two. No, no, that's not the right drive. Uh, yeah, one, two, three, four, five, six offensive plays. So yeah, that's uh, makes it easier to get in the end zone when you only have to run six plays in order to, uh, to get there. So yeah, that's uh, we're we're off to the races here. Yeah, it
1: doesn't hurt when you have to run zero offensive plays to get your second touchdown either. That doesn't suck. That, that does help. Yeah, some tremendously. <laughs> so uh, so here we are. We're in the second quarter now. Um, the Bears, like I said, started at Minnesota's 21. They managed to get the ball down to the 10-yard line. Marty Booker drops a short touchdown, hits him right in the hands in the end zone. It's like, yeah, it was kind of a, a rope that uh, that Orton threw to him, but the ball was there. He should have caught it. He doesn't. The Bears have to settle for a field goal, and we, we've we've uh, we've interrupted our touchdown party with a field goal to make it seventeen to uh to seventeen or seventeen to fourteen uh, in favor of the um, Bears. And um, what I found funny about this game was that the Vikings apparently were terrified of Devin Hester so much to the point that they kept kicking squibs and you know letting Jason McKee get his return yards in and your returner Hicks. Had a really mm-hmm. good day returning kicks for the Vikings because despite Robbie Gold kicking deep, you guys were starting 30, 35 yard line just about every single time because he was um A not making it to the end zone and B, uh, you know, he had some pretty decent returns
2: before the Bears could finally bring him down. Yeah, I mean, and there's good reason for the bear for, for the Vikings to be scared of Devin Hester because oh, I mean sure. you know yeah. <laughs> he, he killed he killed the Vikings pretty much all the time. I mean we go back to the the 2007 game where yeah. Hester and Adrian Peterson took turns doing just ridiculous things before the, yeah, the Vikings ended up winning. But that was fun. Yeah, yeah that that was a that was an awesome game to watch. But yeah, uh, I don't remember much about Maurice Six. To be honest, I'm not sure how long he was the returner for. It might have only been uh, this season. But yeah, he, he did do a solid job. But yeah, I, I can understand the. Uh, not wanting to give Devin Hester too many opportunities. (laughs) But, you know, you let the other team start at midfield. I mean, take your chances once in a while. Yeah,
1: well, I mean, I understood league-wide why no one would want to do that for a guy that came into the league and had 13 return touchdowns in his first two seasons. You know, Mm -hmm. you thought at the time he was going to obliterate Deion Sanders' record. You know, at that point, he was two-thirds of the way there two seasons into his career. So, yeah. He was uh, – you might want to not kick him the ball. So it's like, you know, if, he've got, if they got Kyle Orton, all you have to do is, you know, kind of slow him down a little bit with the run game, put the game in Kyle Orton's hand, and I think we'll be okay uh, at the end. You know, just don't give the damn ball to Hester. Just don't do it, and uh, we'll, 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 things will turn out all right for us. So, um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, he, it was a legitimate fear that the Vikings had. I don't think anybody was like, oh, look at these guys or anything – like that it's just that um you know yeah i mean what what else could you do i mean i I, I mean it's either that or kick it out of bounds every time and they have it at the 40 yard line anyway so yeah you know take your chances giving it to the up 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 back and uh you know maybe he'll fumble it because he's not used to carrying the ball or you can give it to hester give him you know 12 inches of daylight and watch the back of his shoes as he runs into the end zone so that's uh those were your choices there so I, I, Mm i i don't i don't blame uh Brad Childress for wanting to just go with the squib and take our chances at midfield.
2: No, absolutely not. I mean, you would think the Vikings would be able to get some stops, but you know, you can't always be starting out at the at midfield and expect to get stops. So, yeah, yeah that that was the strategy they went with. I mean, they did they did wind up kicking it to Hester a couple times. I mean, yeah. they haven't at the point of the game that we're at right now. But uh, yeah, they, Hester did get a couple of kick return opportunities. I just don't think he did much. Uh, No, he
1: didn't. Actually, you know, after the Bears kicked the field goal to go up 17 14, the Vikings answered with a field goal uh, of their own. Uh, A big pass play to Bernard Berrien was like the key play in that drive from the Vikings to get from their own 30 to the Bears' uh, 30 yard line. Um, The drive basically stalled out from there, and Ryan Longwell kicks a 42 yard field goal to tie it up. Then the Vikings kick it to Hester. Uh, Longwell able to kick it deeper than Gold was. Uh, doing for the bears in that game so hester only gets to the 22 yard line so already you're 20 25 yards better in field position than you were squibbing it because you were so afraid of him so and i thought watching the game or re-watching it i guess you could say that um having had that happen that maybe children should be like you know what Looks like we're going to be okay, or you know, let's let's do that. They no, they squib at least two more times before they kick the hester again, or uh, or something like that. But it, um, you know, they were able to stop him at the twenty-two uh, yard line. Um, some missed opportunities on this drive. Kevin Williams drops an interception when Kyle Orton mm-hmm. tries to like sidearm it past him. Uh, <laughs> you know, Williams is engaged with uh, with like Roberto Garza, or Olin Cruz or somebody uh, like that, and tries to sneak it past him to to Greg Olson. And he damn near picks it off, um, but he, you know, he drops the ball there. Uh, I noted the Bears really struggling with the run, five carries for seven yards at this point uh, in the ball game. I mean, that's unheard of for a Lovey Smith-led football team. And um, we punt for the first time uh, on that drive with five minutes and eleven minute, five minutes, eleven seconds to go in the half. That's the first time that the Bears are punting, and it turns out to be one of the most exciting plays in this
2: game, Chris. No, it sure does because uh, because Charles Gordon doesn't know to get the hell away from the football when you're inside the ten yard line. The ball goes over your head. So, uh, yeah. and the, the guy the guys on the broadcast make a decent point. I mean, I can understand you know wanting to to kind of get in the way of the gunner to mm-hmm. uh, to try to keep them from downing it like inside the one right. or whatever. But get the hell away from the football. I mean, jeez.
1: what? Yeah, because what? he did not run up; he ran sideways. Yeah, ran, you know he he didn't run up to get away from the ball because the ball actually takes a Vikings bounce. Like it was probably going to bounce away from the goal line, and you know the the other gunners and and you know uh, defenders for the Vikings would have been able to uh, you know get the ball uh, at some point, or you know the Bears would have to stop it before you because know, it's not going into the end zone kind of thing. Instead, he runs directly out to his to his left towards the sideline to block Zach Bowman, who was the who was a rookie playing in his first game ever, was signed off to practice squad to play in this football game. The ball literally hits, bounces, hits Gordon like under his armpit. Now it's a live football, and all hell breaks loose in the end zone. And Zach Bowman, the, the gunner that he was trying to defend and keep away from the football, recovers the fumble in the end zone for a touchdown. And just like that the Bears have scored their second special team's mistake touchdown and now are up
2: 24-17. And what kills me about this is that, you know, Gordon was a young player, sure, but he, he wasn't a rookie. This was his third year in the NFL. He mm-hmm. got to Minnesota uh, as an undrafted guy in 2006. I mean, by that time, you should know that, you know, if you're inside the 10-yard line, the ball goes over your head, just just get the hell away from it and yeah. let it bounce and do Whatever, but no, like you said, it's not like he was running forward to engage uh, the uh, the gunner on this one. No, he ran to the side, yeah. And then when he took that weird bounce, like you said, was taking a Minnesota bounce. I think it landed at uh, about, about the, the two the yard line or so. Yeah. yeah, and it started bouncing toward uh toward the other end zone. So it would have worked out all right for the Vikings, but no. It bounces right off of Gordon and into the end zone, and there's like four bears there. It's just a matter of which one of them <laughs> which one uh, falls off the ball, and it just happened to be Zach Bowman. Yeah, it so. turned out to be
1: the guy he was trying to keep away from the football in the first place, which is what kind of made it like, yeah, did, was it worth it? Because look, the guy that you tried to keep away from the ball is the one that recovers it for a touchdown. Good job. So, yeah. So not at all going the Vikings' way, because they're actually playing really well moving the football efficiently. They're mixing up the run in the past. They've had, you know, three, four drives. They've scored three times, but they're losing this football game. They're down 24 uh, to 17 because they, the, the squib kicks were an ill-advised thing. I mean, it, it's good intentioned, but not working out. And then the other two mistakes with Cluey, uh, you know, the block punt for a touchdown, and then now this, uh, Gordon making the decision to, uh, stay in the area of the ball when he's blocking the gunner. And, uh, you know, that's that's two free touchdowns the Bears have on the board that they didn't necessarily earn.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, the, like I said, the, the 2008 Vikings special teams, uh, I've been watching the Vikings for about 40 years. I think the 2008 uh, special teams unit was the most comically bad group uh, I've ever watched. I mean, we already talked about the game in new orleans and there's obviously this game what's going on here mm-hmm. and then they just had a bunch of other games over the course of that season where they were just awful and we're 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 costing the team games and so yeah we talk people talk offense and defense all the time but you know special teams matters too and the bears uh the bears made their living off of special teams oh, for yeah. a lot of years and when you when you see special teams units like the 2008 vikings you uh you get a better understanding for just how important special teams really are.
1: Yeah, I mean, you got an instant an an inkling for how important special teams were for Lovey Smith when you see guys like Charles Tillman, uh, you know, on the punt team uh, and things like that. Why is our all-pro cornerback a gunner on the punt team? Get him off the goddamn field. What's the matter with you? But <laughs> that's how important it was. You'd see guys like that, you know, guys that were starters on defense were playing special teams. Uh, for Lovey Smith, I mean, it's just like that's not really something you see these days. It just doesn't happen. Um, yep. But uh, it's something that Lovey Smith did, and then you know we had one of the top special teams, not just because uh, of Lovey. I mean, obviously Dave Tobe was and still is one of the best special team coordinators uh, in the NFL. But you know, Lovey Smith really believed in special teams making an important phase uh, of the uh, of the pro- of the football game. And more times than not, the Bears came out on top on special teams, and this game being a prime example.
2: I mean, as semi-related, I don't know why Dave Tobe hasn't gotten a shot as a head coach yet, but that that guy, that's a guy that probably needs to get a shot as a uh, as a head coach somewhere just because of – because wherever he's gone, his special teams units have been really good. Yeah. And so he, he's he been consistent, and uh, I think I might have even advocated for him to at least get an interview with the Vikings when they were looking to replace uh, – mike zimmer this past offseason but mm-hmm. yeah, i i don't know i mean we see we've seen john harbaugh have success right. but i don't i don't know why dave tobe hasn't gotten a shot as a head coach yet that's a guy that probably needs an opportunity
1: yeah as far as like special teams coordinators who deserve a shot uh you wouldn't have necessarily put joe judge in front of uh dave tobe as far as somebody who's going to get his head coaching God, shots absolutely, first
2: absolutely not All right <laughs> so <laughs> Jesus.
1: So the uh the fortunes continue to turn sideways for the Vikings because on the first offensive play after the Bears scored the touchdown on the uh the punt fumble, uh Farratt hits Corey Graham in the middle of the field. Uh the only problem is Corey Graham plays for the Bears. So mm-hmm. it was an interception, the first of four thrown by Gus Farrat uh in this game. So special teams and Good old Gus throwing to the wrong team uh, a few too many times in this one, kind of contributing to it. The good news is the um Marty Booker forgot how to catch passes uh on the <laughs> drive because he he drops one. It there was one that was a bit off target to him that that he misses. So that was more about the throw not being where it needed to be. But then another one, like a play or two later. Hits him right in the hands in the end. He was wide open. He had a step on his man the whole nine yards. Kyle Orton put it there. It would have been a tough catch, but it hit him in the hands just above his head. So his, he, would have, he had to torque his body a little bit weird, but he should have come down with it. Maybe he lost it in the sun just playing devil's advocate. But nonetheless, <laughs> you know, when you're that open and the ball is there, you got to catch it. There's just no other way uh, around it. The Bears end up trying to, to uh, kick a field goal, and good old Kevin Williams knocks it down. And uh, blocks uh, Robbie Gold's uh, field goal attempt, and that turns into something for the Vikings.
2: Yeah, I mean, the the Viking special teams taketh away, and now the uh, the Viking special teams giveth with, uh, like you said, one of their one of their primary starters in the middle of the defensive line getting a uh, a huge block to keep it as a seven point game, and you know set the Vikings up with solid field position for a uh, for a two minute drive at the end of the end of the first half here.
1: Yeah, Visante Schenko, a big catch. Uh, on that drive, and uh, Chester Taylor finishes it off with a uh, dive over the pile uh, for a touchdown a la Walter Payton, who did that many, many times on that field in that stadium uh, throughout his career. So seven plays, 68-yard drive, 22 seconds to go in the game. We're tied at 24. We have officially obliterated the uh, over-under of uh, 38 points because now we're sitting at 48 uh, with Man. this one. So, uh Yeah. I mean, we had just gone over it with the Bears' touchdown to make it 24-17. Now it's far back in the rear view, and we've still got a whole half of football left to play. But another squib kick from special <laughs> yeah, they, teams
2: puts yeah, the, the ball. Decide to, the yeah. Vikings decide to celebrate with another stupid uh, <laughs> special teams decision to, uh, to help the Bears out a little bit. So, yeah, so they squib well, it. Good on, good on the Vikings. There, yeah,
1: the, the Bears are like, us yeah, let's, let's make it interesting in the last 22 seconds. Why not? And uh, the Bears are at midfield. Uh Orton hits uh, Olsen, gets the Bears down to the Viking 32. Um they get five more yards on another play. I really thought he was still in bounds, so the clock should have kept rolling, but uh apparently he got out of bounds. I think it was Rasheed Davis, but uh so we're going to attempt a then career long 53 yard field goal for Robbie Gold, but instead um somebody not Pat or Kevin Williams jumps offside and gives the Bears five free yards they didn't earn, makes it a forty yard forty eight yard field goal that Robbie Gold punches through as time expires, ending this bananas first half of a football game twenty seven to twenty four in favor of the Bears.
2: Yeah, according to the uh to the box score, that was Fred Evans jumping offside. He was good for about one of those every week um back when back when he was with the Vikings. Really underrated player, but man he, he made some uh, he made some bad penalties, some bad times. And that was one of them. I mean, Gould probably would have hit from fifty three anyway, just because you probably. know that's the way this game went for Minnesota. But you <laughs> know, making it making it forty eight instead of fifty three does make it a little bit easier.
1: Yeah. So just to recap, really quick, we've got fifty one points between the two teams, and like you said, obliterating the thirty eight point over under uh, going into this game. Special teams helping the Bears across the board. Two touchdowns, the the two special teams touchdowns, the, the squib kicks giving the Bears excellent field position. Um, you know, I think they got an extra, I think they scored on two out of the three squib kick drives in the first half, the field goal and a touchdown, the first one of the game. And the Bears winning the game despite having eight yards on six carries uh, in their rushing game uh, thus far. And the Vikings moving the ball, well, and would otherwise be winning this game by a lot if not for the special teams uh, mistakes. You know, the Bears aren't playing poorly on offense; they're just very one-dimensional. It's not a recipe for success, but because they're winning the special teams battle, that's why we're in this game and winning it at this point.
2: Yeah, like you said, the Vikings were not having issues moving the football. I mean, Farah had the one interception, but the uh, the Vikings managed to uh, turn that aside with the blocked field goal. But yeah, the, the Vikings were dominating on uh, offense and they weren't playing too bad defensively, but the, the special teams errors just killed them as they did so many other times during the uh, 2008 season. And because of that, yeah, the uh, the Bears have a three-point lead uh, going into uh, the locker room at halftime.
1: Yeah, so I mean, and, and, and Bear fans of today obviously would be thrilled if the Bears scored 27 points in a game, let alone... <laughs> In the first half. So hopefully that's something that uh, Matt Eberflus and our our Luke Getze led offense can help us out with uh, this year. That we're not struggling to score 17 points a game. That we can actually crack the 20 barrier more than two or three times uh, this year. That would be nice. So because this is already here. Let me see real quick. This is week number seven. The Bears have scored 20 points in every game but one up to this point and this is their second game over 30 points or at least it Mm -hmm. will be we're at 27 right now we all know they're going to end up with 48 by the end of it but this is you know they didn't the bears didn't necessarily struggle scoring points uh back then and uh the funny thing is i don't think we're as talented on offense then as we are now and that's Mm. you know that has a lot to say about what matt nagy can put together uh for an offense because uh should have been a lot better than we were. But um <laughs> anyway. Oh, look at that. The Bulls lost. And their season is over. Never mind. Anyway, <laughs> um, I mean we're playing the world champs. What do we think was gonna happen? But yeah. this episode of the Bear Stock Underground is brought to you by Athletic Greens. Tons of people take a multivitamin, and it's important to choose one that is top quality. With one delicious scoop of athletic greens, you're absorbing seventy-five high-quality vitamins, minerals. Whole food sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adoptogens to help start your day right. This special blend of ingredients helps to support gut health, the nervous system, immune system, energy recovery, focus, and aging. It's lifestyle-friendly, adapting to a wide range of diets, and it contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no chemicals, or artificial anything. Plus, it costs less than $3 a day. It's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially during cold and flu season. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash sportsdrink. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash sportsdrink to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. (coughs) This episode of the Bear Stock Underground is also brought to you by ColorCast. Guys, ColorCast is a live audio-only sports talk platform, free to download and to use. Talk to me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time, and it's perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. All you need to do is download the ColorCast app free in the iOS app store, create a profile, and link your Twitter and join a group. Follow me at BTU Larry to be I, to be notified when my room goes live, and we'll be going live on Colorcast every Friday night, 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern. Come and join the spiciest takes. Come find the new home for Club Thirty Four Seven. Um. Okay, so here we are. We're back into the second half now, and uh, I think the Vikings have learned their squib kick lesson because they kicked Deek to Hester. Not only do they kick it deep to him, but it looks like they cause a fumble uh, on the mm-hmm. return. And um, uh, upon further review, the call is reversed. The, the ground did cause the fumble. The Bears hang on to the football. However, this is the last time we see Devin Hester. He's out for the rest of the game with a quad injury, uh, which not only affects our special team's return, but he's our other starting wide receiver. Uh, on offense, so uh, no more Devin Hester on offense or defense, and all of Minneapolis and Minnesota rejoice.
2: Yeah, but uh, it doesn't matter when you have the uh, the the weapon known as Desmond Clark as part of your uh, right. your offense, apparently, because uh, he he ripped the Vikings on this ensuing drive all by himself, and it's uh, yeah, not not the proudest of moments for the uh, the Vikings uh, back seven on the uh, the first possession of the third quarter for the bears
1: yeah i mean the the it seems like the bears have have figured out the running game a little bit better because i mean matt forte doubled his rushing total for the day on his first carry of the (laughs) second half he had eight yards on six carries coming in he got eight yards on his first carry uh of the second half so not too often you can say something that the guy doubled his running total with one carry but it just so happened and that carry was for less than 10 yards so uh you know it happened in this uh in this case they were getting the ball down the field with chunk plays like you said Devin, uh excuse me desmond clark was getting heavily uh involved we're mixing the run a little bit more and and matt forte is getting past just the line of scrimmage uh as you know because he was getting just blasted in the in the first half you know he was like 1.1 yard per carry in the first half and mm-hmm. then desmond clark as you said gets himself wide open a 35 yard uh catch Running out there, looks like he's just going to fly right into the end zone and instead gets the ball stripped out of his arms at the goal line. Uh, didn't cross the goal line. At, excuse me, let's say it was at the one yard line. But just to show how Minnesota's luck is going today, there's Rashid Davis right there to fall on the ball in the end zone for a free touchdown that he himself did not earn. He just happened to be in the right place at the right time. Touchdown Bears.
2: And I'd have to go back and look at the replay, but I'm pretty sure Griffin was the only Vikings defender in the frame uh, at the time. So he was he was busy tackling Desmond Clark and forcing the fumble, yeah. and then there's not a darn thing anyone else can do because there's nobody else there in a purple and white jersey to fall on the football. So uh, Rasheed Davis, like you said, gets the uh, the free touchdown, and, yeah, and all of a sudden the, uh, the Vikings are down 10 points. Yeah,
1: 34-24, 12-12 to go in the third, as I put down here in my – in my, in my notes, and it just um, – you know, it, I, I do believe you're right that he was the only one, and it was because he was running with Rashid Davis who was running his route at the time that he was still in the neighborhood because uh, the Bears yeah. definitely caught the Vikings with their their pants down. I mean, he's running right down the seam, so we're talking the deep middle of the secondary, and there was nobody there. So um, yeah. they must have bit on a fake or something for there to be no one in the neighborhood, and it wasn't – if not for Griffin – you know, uh, Desmond Clark can moonwalk into the end zone for all he cares, says because that's how that's you know there's nobody there uh, on that particular yeah. play.
2: Yeah, I, I can't I can't remember the coverage off the top of my head, but yeah, it was a uh, it was pretty well blown by uh, by the Vikings because you know Desmond Clark was never actually known for his speed or anything, so for him right. to uh, to be out there and rambling thirty five yards on one play, that's uh, that's bad. You probably shouldn't let that happen.
1: Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll talk a little bit more uh, a little bit later in this uh, quarter about a guy not known for his speed scoring a big touchdown uh, here in a minute. But, um, you know, just to show how crazy fun and back-and-forth this game was, the Vikings answer uh, on their own. This time Adrian Peterson uh, decides to just take all the yards at once uh, and run it in from 54 yards out, giving us all, you know, uh, Vietnam flashbacks of the year before. <laughs> when he did it three times in the same, because he scored three touchdowns and it's like, okay, he's a running back. You know, he scored three touchdowns. No, like 70 something, 60 something and 40 something in that game. So it's not like, you know, he was running it in from two yards out or, you know, something like that. No. Yeah. He gutted the bears each time with those touchdowns uh, in 07. And here he is doing it again on his second trip to soldier field, this time from 54 yards out and, you know, it only took him a minute and a half to score a touchdown to make it a three-point game again. It's thirty-four uh, to thirty-one, you know. And if you're a person, if you know these two teams, and you're in the stadium or like you and I sitting there watching it, at what point in this game do you sit there and be like, "What is going on here?" You know, yeah. with these That's- two teams are at you know with with ten minutes, so ten forty, so nearly eleven minutes to go in the third quarter are at sixty-five points right now. What is happening here? You know, it's like what is going on. Like special teams aside, we're still in the fifties without those special teams touchdowns for all the points these score. These teams are scoring. These are the defense run the football teams, and we've got nearly seventy points on the board, and we still got two thirds of the thir- you know third quarter to go, in the entire
2: fourth quarter. It's like, how's this thing going to finish up? I, I think my Declaring or asking what the hell is going on started with the uh, the Cluey double punt in the first quarter, and then it just kind of. I just I I probably said that ten or twelve times over the course of the game because you know you don't see somebody try to punt the ball twice uh, every every day. Yeah, I mean, much, I know yeah. I know you know what happened either this last year, or the year before, with somebody, and it was actually successful. Mm-hmm. Or am I successful? I think they. I can't remember if they got called for a penalty for it or not. Hell, I. I can't remember who it was now but yeah yeah but when you it's what we say all the time weird stuff happens when the Vikings and Bears get together at Soldier Field and you know th- this game is a, a perfect illustration of that
1: yeah you know you know you, the the shootout in 2008 a year prior to you know cuz the cuz the shootout in the Monday night game in 2009 made sense you got cutler on one side you got Favre on the other mm-hmm. you know so yeah these guys they're gunslingers they're going to throw the ball all over the field the fact that the score was 30-30 to 30 going into overtime made sense. We're still talking about Kyle Orton and Gus Farrat here. <laughs> we got 65 points on the board, and we still got basically the entire second half to go. It's like, what is happening right now? This is just crazy. So um, the Bears uh, go three and out, punt the ball back to the Vikings. A penalty on the return has the Vikings starting at their own five-yard line. Never did find out what the penalty was. But uh, it was on Minnesota, and uh, yep. they're at their own five-yard line. Gus Farratt tries to go deep a few plays later, uh, hits a wide-open Truman McBride. Again, the problem being that he plays for the Bears. Uh, so that one came back. Um, but, again, the Vikings avoid disaster because a couple of plays later, Kyle Orton is strip-sacked by Jared Allen. Pat Williams recovers the ball in Bears' territory. And uh, so they dodged that bullet. Only now, the Vikings go to fourth and one. They went for it fourth on, on fourth down quite a few times uh, in mm-hmm. this game, uh, actually. They try to go for it on fourth and one. Uh, Farah wanted to go to Peterson out in the flat, but he had a, uh, he had a giant uh, Brian Erlacher shadow draped over him, so the ball didn't go yep. there. Uh, Farah couldn't get the ball out to anybody else, so they come up short uh, on that drive. So, uh, you know, turnover on downs uh, near midfield uh, for the for the Vikings. A weird back and forth there. Some missed opportunities. The Bears can't do anything with the interception. They give the ball right back. Minnesota is like on the edge of field goal range for Longwell. Instead, they decide to go for it on fourth and one. They come up short. So basically a lot of running in place there for that sequence. Okay.
2: Yeah, a fourth and one when you decide to not hand the ball to Adrian Peterson. I don't know right. if that's the, that's the call I would have gone with, but, uh, you know, I'm not a coach or anything like that. But, you know, yeah, they they had opportunities here. I mean, Farad joined the uh, the Rex Grossman effort, I'm going deep, uh, <laughs> fan club here and winds up getting intercepted. Yeah. And Jared, Jared Allen, who was the only Viking to register a sack in this game, I think, got yeah. to, uh, to Orton and forced the fumble and... Then you'd miss it on fourth down, and yeah, it was uh, the, the things actually slowed down a little bit between these two teams. They, uh, they stopped putting points on the board for about uh, half a quarter here, and then it uh, got cranked back up again.
1: Yeah, because um, a couple of plays into the drive after the Bears turned the Vikings away on turnover on downs. Um, here's, here's the play that always stuck out in my head. When you and I talked about this one, this is the play where I was like, okay, we're in the upside down. Now this is you know we're we're in we're in bizarre land because Marty Booker catches what amounts to about a six yard out pass, turns it up to the inside and runs away from the defense like just just pulling away from guys as he runs untouched fifty one yards for a touchdown. I was like okay so yeah we're just gonna you know it it, it kind of reminded me of um, uh, I don't know if you're a big Marvel fan but uh, Captain America Civil War where Spider-Man meets uh, Captain America for the first time, and he's watching him throw the shield around, and he's like, well, that thing just doesn't obey the laws of physics at all, does it? It's like, that's <laughs> kind of the thought that I had on the Marty Booker touchdowns. Like, well, we're just not going to, you know, we do don't, we not don't going to remember anything about anything in this game because Marty Booker is Willie Galt all of a sudden, <laughs> just running untouched, just running away from defenders uh, for a touchdown. I was like, this makes no sense. And the Bears are up 41-31 says 2.35 to go. So we went eight whole minutes without scoring any points. So, yeah, it's probably the biggest stretch of the entire game
2: uh, at this point without points. Probably it's got to be right up there. I mean, I, I mentioned Marty Booker before. He was a guy that always seemed to have success against the Vikings. But, you know, not a speed guy. Mm-mm. Not a speed guy. He no. was uh, he was one of those guys that would make contested catches and whatnot. Yeah. But, yeah, he, he ran away from everybody, and I'm not 100% sure – not how he did it but he did cuz that was a uh that was a 51-yard touchdown and all of a sudden the bears are back up uh, 10 points again.
1: Yeah, cuz this is Marty Booker towards the end of his career. So he's an older receiver uh yeah. at this point. So it's not like when he was uh having his best years in in 2001 when they went 13 and 3 and and won the division and uh and all that kind of stuff. Let's see. Marty Booker 32 years old in 2008. So, yeah. Jesus. This is a guy that 's just happy to be in the NFL uh, at this point. you know signed a one year you know veteran minimum deal to be with the Bears again uh, in two thousand and eight, probably thinking this would be the last that we see of him. I think he did play like for Atlanta after this, maybe for one or two more years before finally uh, hanging it up but uh, you know again, even when he was in his heyday and I think he actually even made the Pro Bowl in two thousand and one had an outstanding season. His game was getting open. His game was catching the ball. It was not being a speedster that outran everybody behind him.
2: No, and yeah, it just like you said, it just makes it that much weirder that it happened. But uh, you know, this this is uh the way this game has gone for yeah. both teams, you know. It's uh just just stuff we're not expecting and you know, Marty Booker rambling fifty one yards for a touchdown is definitely not something you would have uh Originally expected to see in this one,
1: yeah, something that makes no sense. But as far as this game, it makes complete sense that uh, mm-hmm. this is something that would happen after a a blocked punt for a touchdown that was kicked twice uh, after a you know a fumble recovery in the end zone after the ball hit the runner in the armpit, you know things like that. You've got squib kicks and you know all the rest of that stuff. You, you know the fastest guy on either team is on the sidelines with ice on his quad and now Marty Booker's outrunning the entire defense. So, I mean, <laughs> it, you know, we're, we, we've definitely gone into the upside-down world at this point. So, so yeah, I mean, um, Gus Farad decides to give us one little bit of fireworks before the end of the third quarter here, uh, throws a pass that was tipped by Briggs and then picked off by Kevin Payne, who, in, who then proceeds to run the ball all the way down to the six-yard line before he finally mm-hmm. gets uh, tackled. And uh, Kyle Orton nearly picked off in the end zone, trying to get the ball to uh, Greg Olson. So another missed opportunity for the Vikings to um, to turn away an interception. Because the first two times they were successful in, in doing so, they blocked a field goal, they got a turnover uh, of their own. Only this time, um, they missed out on the opportunity to turn the Bears away.
2: Yeah, and uh, you know they had another opportunity to uh, turn them away again because the uh, the. First play of the fourth quarter, Chicago goes for it on fourth and one, and uh, it looks like the Vikings get a stop. But uh, no, literally a little yellow flag down in the end zone because uh, something named Vinny Churchu, yes. I think, was uh, that uh, gets called for defensive pass interference. I think he played for the Vikings for one year. I don't remember him doing anything super positive. This damn sure isn't a positive, right? Uh, because you know what? It, uh, it gives the Bears first and goal at the one, and they uh, they convert, and you. Know, you probably said at the time that they put this game away, but looking back on it, uh, yeah. we, we probably weren't too sure uh, that that was the case because, you know, yeah, at this point we're at 77 points and we have an entire quarter left to play. So, yeah, we didn't know. <laughs> yeah,
1: well, not only, like I mentioned before, the Bears' three losses were blown fourth-quarter leads. So no lead is safe with this team so far uh, in this <laughs> in this young season. We're not even halfway through the year. We've lost half our games having it won in the fourth quarter, and literally the week before against Atlanta, there was eleven seconds to go in the game when we kick it off to them, and somehow managed to lose that game. So, yeah, it, nothing is safe, even with the Bears uh, scoring. From Matt Forte runs it in from one yard out to make it forty-eight to uh, thirty-one, and in uh, Vinnie Churchu's defense, looked like an uncatchable ball. So yeah, it, it did. So it looked like an uncatchable ball, so I'm not sure that it should have been a flag, but uh, the fact that he was trying to tear uh, Desmond Clark's clothes off like they were trying to have a romantic uh, moment there uh, in the <laughs> end zone, probably the heavily contributing factor to the fact that it didn't matter. The ball was in a different zip code from where Desmond Clark was. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, the, the referees tend to frown upon that. So, uh, so, yeah, they gave the Bears new life, and the Bears run it in uh, with a Forte touchdown. And like you said, Figuring that we probably put this thing away. 14:53 to go in the game. It's 48 to 31. Uh, the good news is, uh, for Vikings fans anyway, the Bears are done scoring for the day. Um, <laughs> they've managed to rack up 48 points. The bad news for Bears fans is that the Vikings are not done scoring yet. So yeah. uh, this game is not over by a long shot. We still have the entire fourth quarter uh, to go. And uh, we've got a defense that's given up three fourth quarter leads thus far uh, in the season. So it looks like we got them by the short and curlies, but uh, you know it's definitely not over yet. The fat lady's warming up, but she ain't singing. So, uh, and, uh, uh, we are
2: now to the point. We are now to the point where the Bears have surpassed the over under by themselves. Yes, so, yes, we
1: have. yeah. <laughs> the Vikings will manage it before the game is over, but uh, right now they're still uh, only a touchdown behind the over under uh, by okay. themselves. So. But uh, I I noted here the Vikings taking more chances by going for it uh, on fourth down. They get the ball down to fourth and two at the five-yard line on the ensuing drive. And I don't know if this was the best idea, but Childress goes for the field goal instead of um, testing his fourth down luck, which he had been, I think he was two for three or three for four on fourth down at this point. He instead decides to go for the field goal instead at this point.
2: Yeah, because when you've given up 48 points, why not lean on your defense, uh, given the opportunity here? I mean, I, understand that, I understand that at least, I'd have to go back and figure, but it's damn near half of these, uh, half of the Bears' 48 points came as a result of special teams play, at and least, the yeah. defense wasn't actually performing that badly, but, you know, they, they tried to go for it on third and three, and Chester Taylor got stuffed, and, you know, may, maybe if Chester Taylor would have gotten it down to, like, the one-yard line, they go for it there, but... They they just decide the three yards was a uh, yeah was a was a bridge too far I guess and decide to uh to run Longwell out there to uh, to cut it to fourteen yeah so
1: forty eight thirty four we got just under nine minutes to go and then the Bears basically forget how to play offense for the rest of it because we <laughs> go three and out on the next yeah. drive kick it right back uh, to Minnesota uh, they move it right back down the field and on this drive. They had two fourth down conversions, including a fourth and 16 before mm-hmm. getting the throwing a touchdown pass to uh, Bernard Berrien in the corner of the end zone, which I'm sure the Chicago faithful were thrilled about. <laughs> um, uh, so now we have a one score game. It's 48-41. There's about three minutes to go uh, in the game. Um Am I crazy or did Minnesota squib it again? I I I I didn't have it in my notes here, but something
2: tells no, me No, I'm, the- I'm looking at the uh I'm looking at the uh the play-by-play from Pro Football Reference and the uh, the ensuing kickoff was actually a touchback from uh, uh-huh. from Okay. Yeah, the Bears started out at the 20.
1: Okay. So I, for some reason I had a feeling it like did they did these idiots actually squib it again? But no, they didn't. <laughs> so um but you know, the Bears didn't do anything with the ball. However, The first two plays, the Bears get a first down, and as a result, Minnesota burned their last two timeouts. So now they're up to, like you said, have given up 48 points, so why not rely on your defense uh, to try to get the ball back? They actually succeed in doing so. They get the Vikings get the ball back at their own 25 with a minute uh, six to go, no timeouts, and on first down, give up their second sack of the entire football game. Tommy Harris yep. just blows right through uh, Herrera, the left guard, and to sack uh, Gus Farrat. And then on second down, Gus Farrat uh, decides that a hat trick of interceptions just isn't enough. Let's go for the big four. Hits uh, yep. Zach Bowman, uh, who was earlier ruled out for the game with a, uh, a bicep injury. But um, – <laughs> We had already had like half of our secondary out with an injury at this point. He goes back out there and makes the interception to seal the game with 40 seconds to go. This circus is finally over. It's 48-41. The Bears eke out uh, a win where they were literally trying to give away another fourth quarter lead.
2: Yeah. They tried, and the uh, the Vikings just wouldn't take it. I mean, they, they had an opportunity, like you said. Anthony Herrera just got smoked, and because the uh, the Vikings used all their timeouts on the ensuing bear's possession uh, yeah. before the two minute warning they uh they had to hurry, and you know bad things happen when you uh when you have to hurry up too much and yeah, that's uh, that's what happened. They tried to hit uh I believe it was Andre Allison deep and uh, yeah, got picked off for the fourth time and. You know that that's the ball game, and it was one of the one of the weirdest things we've ever seen between these two teams. I think. Yeah. Well, the other thing that I found
1: interesting, I'm sure that you you know you were less than thrilled about it, was that the Bears had only had one sack at this point, and they got it on a safety blitz. So the Bears were not getting home with their four pass rushers, but <laughs> they get the home. They get home with Tommy Harris on that first play. And then Gus Farad threw the second one under duress. So it's like on back-to-back plays at the most important time in the football game, the offensive line just completely fails. uh, Gus Farad, he gets hit twice, once for a sack and the other one. Like, I don't know if that throw was going to be good enough to begin with, but having, uh, you know, Adewali Ogunle or Tommy Harris up your ass on that throw didn't help at all.
2: No, I mean, and, you know, Tommy Harris was a, was another guy that always gave the Vikings issues, and yeah. you know they they did a pretty good job against him in this game until, like you said, the worst possible time for the uh, the Vikings to have a uh, lapse. And yeah, it was uh you know by that point, like you said, there's no timeouts and there's really uh, really nothing more you can do at this point. So yeah, yeah. it was it was kind of reminiscent.
1: I mean, not obviously <laughs> not on the same level or anything close to it, but it kind of reminded me a bit of the Super Bowl this year where the the Bengals did a pretty decent job of keeping Aaron Donald uh, under control. And then on the two most important plays of the game there at the end where they're trying to put themselves in a spot to tie the game or get in field goal range, Aaron Donald just takes over on those last two plays. And, you know, Joe Burrow's trying to throw a ball with an Aaron Donald-shaped backpack on his back uh, in those two plays. It's like, this is the moment you guys fail at the most important key moments of the football game. You finally let this guy make his plays. What's going on here? You know, and that's basically what happened there is that you didn't hear Tommy Harris's name get called, but on those last two plays, it was the Tommy Harris show. And that's when they needed to button him up the most.
2: Yep. I mean, you can only, you can only hold the great players down for so long. that, That was a great example with the, uh, the Aaron Donald thing at the end of this year's Super Bowl because he, you he didn't hear much from him for most of the game. I mean, obviously, he made some plays here and there. And, you know, then the those last two plays, the game was over because Aaron Donald said it was over. Right. And that was about exactly. all there was to it. And the Bengals just, you know, they, they could have put three guys on Aaron Donald on those two plays. I don't think it would have made any difference. No. He was just, he was just ready for that one to be over. He was just and
1: bound and determined to, to, you know, that whole thing about pointing to his ring finger in the previous games. He wanted to make yep. that a thing. So let's, uh, Let's go ahead and get that ring, and uh, you could have 12 guys on the field all trying to block me at the same time. I'm getting to Burrow, no matter what. So Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So in the, in the aftermath of this game, uh, this was the most points scored in a Bears-Vikings game since 1961, which was, ironically, <laughs> Minnesota's first year in the NFL. So an expansion team managed to uh, match the Bears. I didn't look it up to find out what the score of that game was, but... Uh, Sam Rosen said that's the most points scored between these two teams since 1961. So here we are, 47 years after the first game uh, we've managed to finally top, uh, you know, one of those first two games in 61. This is the first 40-point game for the Bears since the 1986 season, and I did look this up. That last 40-point game was a 48-14 to victory over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Week 14 of that season um however it was the third 40 point game for the bears in the 1986 season because they were still masters of the universe back then (laughs) they just fell short in the uh in the playoffs and we talked about that before the show got started here about who our starting quarterback was in the divisional round of those playoffs uh thanks to uh charles martin and the green bay packers but um Week 1, a 41 to 31 win over the Cleveland Browns and then week 4, a 44 to 7 win over the Bengals were the other two 40-point games in 86. Um and despite losing this game and falling to 3 and 4, the Vikings went 7 and 2 to finish out the year at 10 and 6 and won the NFC North that year.
2: Mhm. Yeah, they uh, I think they wound up playing the Giants the final week of the season. I'm pretty sure the uh the Giants played hard for the first half, but I think they had already clinched a uh, bye. So they were starting to throw uh, throw backups out there in the second half, and the Vikings got a uh, a last second field goal to push them into the playoffs. Uh, since I have Pro Football Reference up, I pulled up that uh, 1961 season. Uh, that was actually the uh, the season finale for the okay. uh, the regular season finale for the Vikings and Bears at Wrigley Field uh, of all places. <laughs> uh, fi- final score for that one was. Uh, chicago 52 uh God. minnesota 35 having uh 52, 35. yeah so they was... were
1: we're only two points better than that game yeah 80 89 points for this one the 52 to 35 is 87 points so yeah yeah
2: wow. 52 to 35 wow That's... yeah looking at some of the stats for that one uh chicago quarterback billy wade billy uh wade. four touchdowns one interception 355 yards uh Fran Tarkenton also had four touchdowns and one interception, but he only threw for a uh, 161 yards uh, in that one. So yeah, they, uh both the quarterbacks were lighting it up. I'm not. Uh, I know the Vikings didn't go anywhere that year because they finished the season uh, three and eleven. Mm. Uh, Bears finished that game eight and six, or finished that year eight and six. I don't think they went to the uh, the postseason that year either. Yeah, that, so. that
1: was during a time back then when when just the, the the conference winners played in the NFL championship game. So if they yep. weren't in first place, you don't have a postseason uh, yeah. back then because they, they won the NFL title two years later in 63 when yep. they uh, they beat the Giants and the YA Tuttle, who was in his like, late 30s but looked like 140 years old. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, the, people must have lived so rough back then because you look at somebody who was like 40 years old in 1935 and he looks like he's near death. Uh, it's pretty uh, pretty scary, actually. But uh, medicine, boy, what it's done over the years. You know what I mean? Okay. So, uh, but to go along, the, uh, the Bears uh, had a chance to make the playoffs that year. Um, needed a win over the Houston Texans in week number 17 uh, to clinch that playoff berth. They would have been the sixth seed in the NFC that year. Um, but uh, Kyle Orton was outgunned by Matt Schaub uh, in that one. And it was the Andre Johnson show, actually. Uh, out mm-hmm. there we just had no answer for him whatsoever we fall to nine and seven we missed the playoffs now this was a year where my my anger for the Bears falling short in that week 17 matchup with uh with uh Houston not to mention cursing all the other losses that we had not to mention the ones that, that you know where we had the leads in the fourth quarter that we blew but um This was also a year where apparently the NFC playoffs that year was the Wild West because the one seed and the two seed both lost in the divisional round that year. Arizona beat uh, Carolina, that was the two seed, and the Eagles beat the one seed defending world champion Giants in the divisional round to the point where the Cardinals, who I think were the the four seed, hosted the NFC championship game that year. Mm to the sixth seed, the team that got in because the Bears couldn't, the Philadelphia Eagles. It was four versus six for the NFC Championship game uh, that year. I mean, that could have been the Bears. Why not? You know what I mean? But uh, instead, we couldn't stop Matt Schaub and the Texans, who I think were 6-10 and that year or something like that. And, um, you know, we ended up watching the postseason. And Kyle Orton getting outgunned there at the end of the year was enough to make Jerry Angelo trade the farm for Jay Cutler uh, going into the 2009 season. So, uh, you know, the, the trajectory of the bears, uh, changed quite dramatically, uh, in the off season because of our failures in 2008.
2: Yep. And, uh, yeah, our, uh, our ultimate failure in 2008 with the, uh, Tavares Jackson and, uh, Gus Ferrat show, a quarterback, as we know, led us to the, uh, the zombie Brett Farvier of two thousand and nine, which uh, which ended exactly the way we all knew it was going to end, but we all hoped it wasn't going to end that way, right. but uh, it did. But uh, yeah, and so yeah, there, there's not a hell of a lot more you can say. I mean, they they had their opportunities. They hosted the uh, the Eagles in the uh, wild card round that year and got whooped. And yeah, that uh, that set the ball rolling on that from uh, from there. Yeah, two thousand
1: eight was a weird. Year for the yep. NFL because the Giants were dominant on 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 their way, you know, to repeat uh, as world champions. Where they kind of backdoored their way into the playoffs in 2007, end up beating the undefeated Patriots in the Super Bowl that year. But they get boosted in the first round by those Eagles. Um, you know, uh, just a division opponent that I think they'd actually beaten twice that year, but they got smoked in the divisional round uh, themselves. Um Brett Favre, that was his one year in New York with the Jets where they started like 8 and 3 and then missed the playoffs. They went like 1 and 4, 1 and 5 down the stretch. They don't make the playoffs. Both one seeds, the Titans and the Giants both lost in the uh divisional round. Uh and the Super Bowl ended up being Arizona and Pittsburgh, which actually ended up being one of the more exciting Super Bowls we ever had. So, for as crazy as the postseason was in the NFL, I think we got the Super Bowl that we all sh- that we all wanted. As far as the level of competition and everything, you had your Cinderella, your your you know your dark horse and the the Cardinals. That crazy play from uh, Larry Fitzgerald, where he scored what was at the time the go ahead touchdown, and you're sitting here thinking, are the Cardinals going to win the Super Bowl? Is this <laughs> actually going to happen? And then it was the Santonio San Holmes uh show back down the field uh for the game winner and, and uh you know the the Steelers and uh like third year coach Mike Tomlin, the former Vikings defensive coordinator winning his first Super Bowl.
2: Yeah, I mean there there were people, you know, obviously cursing that the Vikings should have kept uh Mike Tomlin as their head coach, but I mean he he left after Brad Childress's first year. They weren't gonna fire Childress after one season. That's ridiculous. Right. I mean it would have been nice to have Mike Tomlin, but, you know, it just worked out. You know, Bill Cowher decided to retire, and the Steelers had an opening, and Mike Tomlin was one of the hot young candidates, and he got his opportunity. I mean, there, there's a reason the Steelers have only had three head coaches in the last, like, 60 years or whatever ridiculous number. Yeah. Going all the way back to Chuck Knoll, they've had three oh, yeah. head coaches. I mean, the, the Vikings have had the Vikings are on their fourth head coach since I started running – Uh, dn back in 2006 and the the steelers have had three head coaches in like five decades which is just ridiculous
1: well i mean when when the bears played the steelers last year i had um uh, chris carter from the um oh man where was he from locked on steelers that's where he's from uh the locked on steelers podcast i had him on the show and we talked about that i was like you know During the the season last year, I was 43. I'm 44 now. Um, 43 years, the Steelers have had three coaches my entire lifetime. Mm -hmm. You know, started with Chuck Knoll, who was head coach long before I was born. And then in 92, he finally retires. Bill Cowher takes over. He's the head coach for 14, 15 seasons. And then Tomlin takes over in 06, 07,
2: I think. Yeah. Yeah. 07. Yeah. Yeah. Because Chelaris' first year was 06. So okay. Tomlin would have taken over in, uh, in 07. So,
1: yeah. And in that time, in my lifetime, the Bears have had, what, a dozen coaches, six, seven, eight coaches, whatever yeah. it was, you know. And, and like you said, fourth coach for the Vikings since you started running the Daily Norseman in 06. So yeah. in, in 15, 16 years, they've had four head coaches. Yeah. And in that time, the Bears have had. I think we're working on number five. Like in the time that I've been doing this podcast, which ironically was 2007, where mm-hmm. I'm on my fifth head coach and my third or fourth GM at this point. Yeah. Because I started yeah. with Jerry Angelo and Lovey Smith. Then it was uh, Phil Emery and Lovey Smith. Then it was Phil Emery and John Fox. No, no, excuse me, Mark Tressman. Then it was Ryan Pace and John Fox, Ryan Pace, Matt Nagy, and now Ryan Poles. Matt Eberflus. So yeah, I'm on my fifth head coach, my fourth GM in the 15 years I've been doing the Bearstalk Underground.
2: Damn. So, I mean, yeah, we we started. Yeah, our see, our star was the first season of the Childress era. So we got the Childress era, we got the Leslie Frazier era, uh, the Mike Zimmer era, and now we're on to the uh, the Kevin O'Connell era. Uh, at least as far as the uh, the front office, Rick Spielman was the one constant, uh, basically that entire time after he. I think he no, he didn't come from Chicago. He came from Miami, and then he had he was in Chicago before Miami, I believe. But yeah, he was uh, he was in the front office the entire time, and now he's finally been uh, shown the door. So uh, Kwesi Adolfo Mensa can take over, and yeah, it's a it really is the start of a new era here. And I'm I'm kind of curious and interested to see how this works.
1: You guys annoyed with the Bears because we seem to be cutting in front of you for just about everybody you were after during
2: the off season. <laughs> I mean, not not not. I mean, I, I know the 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 rumor was that the Vikings were hot after Ryan Poles and whatever, but you know, that like they had the interview set up where they interviewed uh, Adolfo Mensa before they interview Poles, and mm-hmm. you know, Chicago just didn't let Poles leave the building without right. a contract. So I mean, there's there's really nothing you can do about that. But uh, I, I think Vikings fans are going to be happy with uh, with Quazy, and mm-hmm. uh, he's going to definitely bring a different approach to. uh to things going forward given his background i think
1: yeah i've only ever heard that name once before was a kid i went to high school with or middle school and high school Quasi leggett was his was his (laughs) name this was the first time i'd heard that name since he and i parted ways after he graduated uh high school i was like man this like that's only you know every now and then you run into one of those names like i don't think i've ever heard that name before and it's like wait there it is again how about (laughs) that you know (laughs) So, uh, yeah, it was, uh, was funny when, when his name started popping up. It's like, Quacey, man, that's a name I haven't heard in a while. It was like, I didn't think I'd ever hear it again, quite frankly, but there it is. And somebody else named their kid Quasey, Good for him.
2: And, so, uh, and, and the guy's younger than both of us, which yeah. is, uh, yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> so
1: is Ryan Poles. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, the funny thing was, back in 2015, um, Ryan Pace and I are the same age. So I was yeah. like, oh, this is cool. Somebody my age is running the team. That's awesome. You know, a younger guy, some fresh blood, blah, 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 you know. And now Ryan Poles is the same age that Ryan Pace was when he got the job, but now he's seven years younger than me. So it's like, okay, <laughs> now this feels weird. So, uh, you know, these guys that uh, basically look like babies are running NFL organizations now. So this is just the modern NFL, I guess.
2: You know? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the times they are a changing. there's not really, uh, not really much you can do. Everything is... Uh Shifting more toward the younger crowd, we're going to get more analytics type stuff, which is uh, yeah, which is what Quasi Adolfo Mensa's background is. Uh, I think the Vikings have been into the analytics thing a little bit, but now I think they're gonna they're gonna really dive into it uh, head first with the uh, with the with the uh, with the new regime. Uh, doesn't sound like we're going to see the uh, the Vikings try to stockpile every seventh round pick anymore, which okay. is uh, what we saw with the uh, the Rick Spielman era there toward the end. Uh, draft classes of 15 guys where half of them get cut before the end of training camp and yeah this uh, it, it was kind of ridiculous there toward the end but uh, yeah it's going to be a new uh, it's going to be a new era and it's going to be pretty interesting I think
1: yeah I'm interested to see how this is all going to uh, unfold I mean obviously um, you know the way that the last couple of years went Nagy being gone as addition by subtraction um, but the the um, Love what we're hearing from the from Iberflus. It sounds like we're going back to the Lovey Smith mentality, which we won a lot more than we lost while Lovey uh was the head coach. We were at least in the mix with things, we were at least competitive uh with Green Bay. And hearing Luke Getze, after four years of Matt Nagy trying to fit the round the the square peg in the round hole offensively, hearing Getze say, We're going to design our offense to basically enhance what our guys do best as opposed mm-hmm. to Matt Nagy trying to fit guys into his system because this is my goddamn system and we're going to run it, uh, kind of thing. So it's all a breath of fresh air what we're hearing. Hopefully it translates onto the field to at least be a more uh, competitive, more relevant team as the season goes along.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. And we, we've we kind of seen the same thing with uh, with what the, uh, the Mike Zimmer kind of system was over the past few years. And, you know, if, if you have the guys to run your system, you can uh, – you can implement your system however you want, but if you uh, don't, and uh, the Vikings kind of haven't over the last couple years, I don't think. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it is going to be different to see what the uh, what the offense uh, does going forward here.
1: Yeah, and mean, it's uh, interested to see how the uh, the Sean McVay tree continues to extend its way through the NFC North mm-hmm. uh, now with uh, Kevin McConnell or O'Connell, excuse me, joining. Um, what's his name from uh, Korean Bay, Matt uh, Lafleur? Le That's his name. Uh, the, the the guy who looks younger every day. I don't, I don't get how he's doing that, but I know he's a young guy to begin with. But the fact that he he's is he Benjamin Button? Is he reversing aging, <laughs> reversing an age, or aging in reverse, or something like that? Because he he just seems to be look like younger every time uh, he comes out. Just so like so, just he's chill out with the the Botox, man. You're you're in Wisconsin for Christ's sake. You don't have to try so hard. So uh, anyway. Chris, man, this was a lot of fun. Uh, I had a great time. Uh, finally, got you on the show to talk about the uh, talk about this wacky game that gave birth to this little series uh, I've been doing here uh, in the off season. Uh, good luck in the draft uh, tomorrow, because uh, we're recording this on Wednesday. The draft is tomorrow. You guys got a first round pick tomorrow? We do. We're at uh, we're at number twelve. Number tw- oh wow okay number twelve okay. So was that a was that your pick or did you trade up for that or something?
2: Nope that was that was our pick. Okay. How did you guys yeah, finish this year? Eight and nine. Eight and nine. Okay.
1: Right. We would have been seven. Who knew that we were giving up the seventh pick when we traded for Justin yep. Fields. But, uh, you know, it was the risk we took. He's worth it. I guarantee it. Or at least I hope so. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah I'm hoping yeah. that, you know, Getsy and, and everybody can turn him into the quarterback we all believe him to be. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm interested to see that. Tomorrow's going to be a very passive evening for me unless... Uh, Ryan Poles goes against the grain and trades into the first round. I don't have anything to get excited about until uh, Friday night uh, when the Bears yep. are on the on the clock at thirty nine.
2: So uh, we'll see how that all uh, see how all that goes. I'm uh, very yeah. It should uh, should be a lot of fun. I mean, I don't know if anyone well, you're, the show isn't going to be out by then anyway. But uh, yeah, the uh, the first couple nights of the draft, uh, yours truly is going to be joining my friends uh, Drew Bunting and Ted Glover on the uh, Vikings Report with Drew and Ted uh, YouTube channel. Oh, nice. uh we're gonna be doing a uh, live uh we did the, we've done the first night of the draft uh, the past two years uh this year we're expanding to do the first two nights of uh, mm. the draft uh because god knows we don't want to listen to the people from espn or whatever <laughs> anyway so we'll just uh do, do like joe boo and do it ourselves yeah uh basically so yeah we're, we're gonna be hanging out and doing that so that's gonna be a lot of fun and yeah it's uh we're gonna to have to see the, the the NFL does it backwards. We get the new year and then we get Christmas basically, right. and that's where uh, that's what we're looking at tomorrow with the uh, the kickoff of the draft. But I think it's gonna be a lot of fun. And like you said, you don't have anything to get excited about until Friday. But uh, yeah, we're gonna be uh, keeping an eye on things. I don't know if the Vikings are gonna stay at twelve, but uh, that's where they are now, and we'll uh, we'll see what they come out with. Yeah, the only thing that I'm looking
1: for tomorrow on Thursday is that. Um I know it's a pipe dream that he'll fall to us at 39. So I'm not getting my hopes up on the Bears landing Chris Olave, but uh, I just need him not to go to Green Bay.
2: That's, as as a as a North Dakota native, I think you've got uh, I think your guy at 39. Uh, I think you'd be well advised if you're going wide receiver to take a look at Christian Watson. Yeah, out of uh, North Dakota State, yeah. he's a he's my guy in the second round. Yeah, he's he's I, on I the
1: rail. We could also maybe snag him at 48 because we got two picks in the second round. So. Maybe because uh, we uh, thought it was a good idea to trade Khalil Mack, I'll see how that works out. Uh, yeah, uh, as the year goes, but um, you know, so uh, but because we, we we got rid of Khalil, we have the forty eighth pick uh, in the draft uh, as well. So maybe if we don't get him at thirty nine, we take an O lineman or a, or a three te- a three technique tackle or something like that, and uh, maybe we'll scoop him up with uh, the forty eighth pick. So. Yeah, Friday's going to be fun, and I'll actually be doing uh, a live uh, podcast myself uh, on Friday on the ColorCast app. Sweet. Um Starting, uh, starting around – I started at 7, so hopefully the Bears haven't picked yet. If not, maybe I'll jump <laughs> on before. Because, you know, the picks are only seven minutes in the second round. Those things fly by well, uh, yeah, really they- fast. So, um,
2: and, then, and then because the second round is the round where they have all, like, the the guys from – uh, that have connections to the team. Oh, don't get me started. Picks, don't get it, me started. It's backed up forever, and yeah. you know, like you're you're watching the guys on ESPN. They're like, "Well, pick number 39 uh, or whatever," and the ESPNs only announced up to like pick 35 because we have to shuffle people back and forth from the podium or whatever. So yeah. you're like four picks ahead, and you're sitting there. I'm sitting there on Twitter because you know people get angry if I tip the picks early mm-hmm. or whatever. So, Like, why, why the hell are you on Twitter if you don't want me to? to tip the picks or whatever, but you know, and and I want to get the damn pick out there as soon as I can get it on the site. So people can read and whatever, but you know, it is, it's just a pain in the ass. And then once we get to the third round, it's only five minutes and yeah, it gets really, uh, gets really crazy after that. So, but it's the most fun we have until the season starts. Oh, for
1: sure. I mean, and this is also kind of like the last hurrah. I mean, I I know that we're, we're going to have one more day of fun, uh, in a couple of weeks when the NFL finally releases the schedule. Yep. Um, when did that start by the way when did they start releasing it after the draft instead of because we should have the schedule now
2: we like should traditionally we should, we should already no, I, have it i don't know? know when they changed that or why they changed that but uh you know that the, the nfl can make an event out of damn near anything just about so yeah. I, I think you know they they don't want it to get sucked into the draft stuff or whatever. like so, okay we'll let everyone settle down from the draft for a couple weeks and then we'll do the schedule yeah but because it's the NFL, they're going to release a lot of the stuff over like the course of two oh, weeks. Yeah. Like, so. like on Thursday, like on Thursday night, they're announcing like the first Thursday night game on Amazon Prime. And then like May 4th is when they announced the overseas games and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And now well, it, it takes that they had to, they had to announce a schedule for the announcement of the schedule, which right. is which is typical NFL. <laughs> but, you
1: know, I've always said and I've joked about it online, on Twitter, on Facebook and everything like that, that. On the day of the release of the NFL schedule, it is the worst-kept secret in the world by the time Mm -hmm. the show actually airs in prime time. Because there was one year, even when they were releasing the schedule before the draft, they had to make it a prime time thing on ESPN and the NFL Network, so it's 7, 8 o'clock at night before the show is finally airing. But by the time the show finally kicks off, Of the, at the time, 16 games the Bears are playing, I know 13 of them before the broadcast (laughs) of the football game from various different sources online and Twitter and Facebook and all the rest of that stuff. I know 90% of the schedule before I'm allowed to officially know it from ESPN or the NFL Network. It is literally the worst-kept secret in the world by the time it actually airs, you know? Because, like you said, the NFL has to turn everything into an event. It used to be, oh, look online at noon because the schedule is coming out and, you know, maybe we'll broadcast a show later on talking about it kind of thing. No, 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 no. We're keeping it from everybody until 7 p.m. when 90% of the people will know what 90% of the schedule is because everybody leaks this, that, or uh, the other. So, yeah, it's always kind of a joke. Like, yep, 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 I've got all this. So I just only need to fill in like three blanks out of a 17-game schedule so I can have a complete list of what the road to the Super Bowl looks like this year. So, <sighs> Anyway, absolutely. Chris, um, like I said, it was, it was so much fun finally getting this one uh, in. Good luck in the draft uh, this weekend, and we look forward to having you back on in the summer when we uh, wrap up our uh, opponent preview series uh, to
2: get ready for 2022. Uh, looking forward to this summer and inevitably to the uh, Week 18 matchup in Minnesota of between our two teams uh, uh, once absolutely. again we will we, we
1: you know like we were saying we're we're in the upside down with marty booker running away from defenders in this football game we'll be in the upside down if we're not talking about week 18 between the bears and vikings uh in minnesota we will know that the nfl is officially broken uh if that doesn't happen for the seventh time in the last eight years so
2: absolutely look
1: forward to uh previewing that matchup and trying to figure out our holiday schedules so we can get together and talk about it uh in uh early january or whatever so uh but uh, look forward to having you on. Then, where can we keep up with you in the meantime, Chris?
2: Uh, like I said, we are always at uh, DailyNorseman.com. dot uh, com. Twitter handle is at uh, dailynorseman. Uh, mentioned the uh, Vikings report with Drew and Ted uh, podcast. Uh, I am going to be live with them for the uh, first two days of the draft. They are also uh, they also put out new shows uh, every Saturday. Hmm. Uh, I, don't, I think they might slow down during the off season here. Uh, our other uh, podcast from the uh, Climbing the Pocket Network is going to be live. Uh, all three days of the draft and they put out uh, brand new content pretty much every day. Cool. And you can find all their shows on uh, on DN as well. So yeah if you' are uh, if you're interested in listening to uh, Vikings talk, that's uh, that's probably the best place to get it.
1: All right. so Chris, look forward to having you back on in the summer and uh, we'll talk to
2: you then. Awesome, thanks Larry. Thank you for having me.
1: This episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by Sports Drink your digital water cooler. Sports Drink is a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports and not sports. They're here to help us grow and to hate your favorite team. (laughs) A rising tide lifts all boats, so go check them out online or in social. Go to sportsdrink.org or open Instagram and type in Sports Drink, spelled like Sports Drink but without the vowels, so S-P-R-T-S-D-R-N-K. All we ask is that you close the door behind you we're trying not to let out the funk. <laughs> As always, I want to thank my good friend Chris Gates from The Daily Norseman for joining us to, to help us out with this Retro Rewind episode talking about this crazy game. Uh, between uh, the Bears, the special teams plays, the you know, the squib kicks giving the Bears great field position, and, and the Bears putting up 48 points despite the fact that Matt Forte only had 58 yards on like 15 carries or something like that, but he had six yards on or eight yards on six carries in the first half. I mean, that's unheard of for a Lovey Smith uh, football team. Kyle Orton throwing touchdown passes. Uh, Gus Farrat throwing interceptions, Robbie Gold got a field goal blocked, we got a punt block, and all the rest of that stuff, and a partridge in a pear tree. Just a crazy, crazy ball game. The Bears win a share of first place with their win over the Vikings, and unfortunately that didn't hold throughout the 2008 season. But uh, uh, a wildly entertaining football game. It was fun to go back in and, and watch it uh, and all the context of the things. It's things that I didn't mention, like, the, the fact the World Series was uh, being promoted throughout the uh, broadcast. The um, Philadelphia Phillies had already won the National League and were waiting to see if it was going to be Boston or Tampa Bay uh, in the World Series. Um, Boston was like the defending world champions. They'd won in 2007, had uh, you know fought their way to a game seven in the ALCS, but it was the Rays that actually went to the World Series, played the Phillies, and the Phillies won uh, the World Series, I think in five or six games. Uh, that year, but seeing that, uh, like I said, the Gene Upshaw uh, helmet decals uh, paying tribute to him who had passed away uh, earlier that year and just the other various names uh, on these teams, you know, Josh Beekman being one of the guards uh, for the Bears. Um, John Tate was still on the team. He's our starting uh, right tackle. Uh, Kevin Payne, the, the, you know, the, the safety uh, Corey Graham. um and then on the Viking side, like I said, Vasante Shenko was a guy who's like the thorn in the side of the Bears for a long time. Uh, Jim Kleinsaucer, one of their fullbacks, uh, that was out there. I saw Eric Bieniemy was their running back coach. I forgot to mention that while we were talking uh, to Chris, but it's like this little caps, this little time capsule that you have going back and watching uh, these games, seeing things like that, remembering uh, that I was rooting for the Rays to go to the World Series because I'm a I'm an underdog kind of guy. Uh, Uh, and everything, and and just remembering uh, that day. I also, sadly, uh, for me as a person, remember an argument I got into with a girlfriend uh, after the Bears beat the Vikings that day. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and share it with you because I was an asshole and I I completely admit it, but um, I was talking to a, a girl that I was seeing at the time. She wasn't like an official girlfriend or anything, but she was somebody that I was seeing at the time, and she's like, wow, crazy game today, and I was like, yeah, the Bears won and were in first place. And she was like, Yeah, barely. And I let it slide the first time. But then she kept going on and on. It's like, you know, yeah, but you know, there's no barely. You either win or you lose. There's no barely column. And she's But you know, but it's like we won, we're in first place. She's like, Yeah, barely. And then <laughs> I did that thing where you say the thing you're thinking, as opposed to just keeping it to yourself, and I said and I quote that's what you get for talking sports with a woman like,
2: oh,
1: <laughs> I said that out loud to a person that I did that. That's just like, oh, geez. Yeah. Needless to say, she hung up on me. Um, I did actually, you know, see her again uh, and everything, but uh, <sighs> I had to do a little bit of groveling to get that one back. <laughs> this is what you get for talking sports with a woman like, oh, boy. Oh, <laughs> boy. Anyway, hopefully you have not all lost respect for me at this point. Like I said, it was not a great moment uh, for me, and I've worked very hard not to have another moment like it because it was embarrassing. But um, I think we'll end on that note, where I look like a complete dickhead talking to a girlfriend of mine. And, uh, you know, look forward to uh, coming back. I want to say next week, sometime after the Bears have signed their uh, rookie free agent class, we will do a draft review, see if I can get uh, somewhat of a draft guy on the show to help us kind of evaluate uh, the haul that the Bears have uh, gotten. Uh, and basically, based on the amount of guys that we have on the roster, the Bears are in a spot to sign like a plethora of undrafted uh, free agents to see what kind of gems and to see if Ryan Poles has the same luck with like day three picks and undrafted free agents that Ryan Pace seem to be able to find. I mean, frankly, he's still working with Ryan Pace's scouting department. He doesn't have his own guys in there just yet. They finish out like their, um, you know, their end of the year is the draft. Like it starts, you know, just after the draft and ends with the draft. So we're still dealing with Ryan Pace's scouts uh, and everything. And, uh, you know, Ryan Poles will, will make changes, if any, after uh, the draft. But these guys who have been in, in the process since last year, uh, during in last season going, you know, scouting the players in college and, and whatnot, they're finishing out their run, uh, this week, so maybe we get that one little kiss of uh, Ryan Pace luck with the uh, late round picks and and undrafted guys that could help fill in this roster that Ryan Poles is trying to build. So, we'll take a look at all of that, see if we can get a guest in here, or if I just got to do some research and put some elbow grease in it to to find out uh, who is uh, who our new guys are and and what it means and what we can expect of them in the uh, in the Bears uniforms. And then the next the next show I know for sure uh, I'm doing uh, is uh, May the 13th because May 12th the NFL is releasing the 2022 schedule, so we'll be doing a schedule review episode. So that's what we have on the radar for now. We're going to do a draft review show some point next week once the Bears have uh, signed their undrafted free agent class, and then a week or two later – we'll do the draft review show, probably sprinkle in some more Retro Rewind episodes between now and then. And I know I got Jeremy Reisman on the hook for a Bears-Lions game uh, at some point after the draft. And then at the end of May, we start up with our opponent preview series, the NFC East, the AFC East, the Texans, the Falcons, and the 49ers. Along with the NFC North teams, obviously. But those are the games, or those are the teams that we can look forward to previewing during the uh, opponent preview series. So lots to come, and we're about to get busy here, even though we're about to enter that dead zone of the NFL uh, offseason between the draft and the start of training camp. But uh, we'll find a way to fill in the time. So uh, thanks so much for listening to this uh, episode, guys. Uh, We'll see you next week when we're uh, reviewing the draft and who the new Bears are and, um, you know, when we got the schedule after that and so on. So until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been Bears Talk Underground.